<laughs> For those of you remaining in the sanctuary, our teaching this week and probably for the next couple of weeks is going to be on the subject of strife. The Bible has a lot to say about strife. In fact, in preparing uh, these teachings and doing the in-depth study that is necessary to do something like this, uh, I, was, I was amazed at what I found. You may say, well, Pastor Ron, why are you teaching on this? I'm teaching on this because I believe that strife is a major problem in society today. And it permeates every part of our society. Everywhere you look, there is problems. Disagreements, and so on and so forth. And I will tell you this, the spirit of strife is one of the most destructive forces on planet Earth. And Satan knows this. How many are listening to me now? Would you bow your heads once again? Please pray for me right now. Father God, in Jesus' name, I submit myself to you this morning. Asking once again that you would send your Holy Spirit to anoint me to preach your word to your people. And Lord, that we would receive with gladness your instruction today so that we can better live our lives to honor you. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We're going to read verses 16 through 18. And then we're going to read the first six verses of chapter 4. Say amen when you're there. All right. I'm waiting. Read with me, please. It says, where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and everything are there. The word Self-seeking there in the New King James Version was originally interpreted as strife in the Old King James. It is the word aretheia, and strife is closer to the true meaning. Aretheia means selfish ambition, contention, rivalry, competition, and discord. So you see strife is a very accurate rendition there. So once again it says, for where envy and strife exist, confusion, now get this, and every evil thing will be there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure? That war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that the friendship, that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but who, he who gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Everybody say amen to the reading of God's word. This is uh, something that we need to understand what God is saying here. First of all, James, the Apostle James. The book of James is a very small book, but it is loaded. If you've never done an in-depth study of the book of James, you owe it to yourself to do so. James was the first bishop of the church. He gave instruction and he minced no words. How many understand what I mean by that? I mean, he laid it out like it was. He was probably even more blunt than Paul. And so, just understand, but he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he was writing with apostolic authority. How many of you know that, that that's the same as God coming and saying it to you? So the Bible says that every scripture was given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for correction and reproof in our lives. Somebody say amen to that. You know. So we need to understand that this is very important. What uh, the, the word aretheia, uh, it, it, it's just so full that in English we have a hard time describing exactly everything that it means. Uh, a, 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 but it, it, it actually means a, a factitious spirit that resorts to any method for winning followers. In other words, nothing is out of bounds. So is everybody with me today now? Are you listening? This is very important. The spirit of strife and another uh, uh, synonym would be contention. So the spirit of strife or contention is destroying society as we know it. It is destroying families. It is destroying friendships. It's destroying marriages. It's destroying churches. And it's, destroying, it's even destroying people's relationship with God. And so that's why this is so important. I would like to begin this morning by asking you a few questions, and I want you to ponder this in your mind. You don't answer them. This is for you to answer to yourself. Has Satan stolen the peace of God in your life? Has Satan stolen the peace of God in your home? or perhaps even in your church? If you answer yes to that, then that means that the spirit of strife, to any of those, the spirit of strife is at work. Do you have troubles, or do you have broken relationships with anyone? Strife does not have to destroy you. The Bible promises you and I as believers a life of peace and harmony. Everybody say peace, peace. and harmony. harmony. How many of you know what harmony means? Has anybody ever went to a, a symphony orchestra and... and, uh, and and heard all of the musical instruments playing together. You know, I mean, some of the music is just outstanding. And how many of you know that if there was one person in that entire uh, ensemble that uh, is there uh, playing out of tune, you would notice it? Would you? You know. And in fact, uh, that's what the director is there for. 
The director is there, and that's why some of them are considered maestros. Their ear is so keen that they can hear what you can't. And as they practice together a performance that they're going to put on, he is able to bring every single instrument in that orchestra into balance. He's able to tell them what to play, when to play it, and how to play it with that little baton. Now, they have to be accomplished musicians. Amen? And they have to be able to receive instruction. Amen? And so, God, Jesus Christ, is our maestro. And he wants you and I in our lives operating just like a symphony orchestra. He wants every one of us in tune. Are you listening to me today? So that is the reason why this is so important. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Come on. So if you answered yes to any of those questions that I ask you, then the question that you really need to answer is this. How can God heal and restore your relationships? Is that an important question? Everybody say, yes, it is. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says this. My people, look at someone and say he's talking about Christians. My people are destroyed for lack of of knowledge. You know, there's a lot of people that go around and argue and uh, uh, bicker and, uh, and, and complain about everything. And in reality, some of them don't know any better. Why, Pastor Ron? Because of the society that we live in. We are Americans. We live in the greatest country on planet Earth. You know, by the way, God blessed us that way. I mean, we could have been born in Haiti or Somalia. But we were born here. Did you know that in some studies... People in America complain more than people in these third world countries. And it's because we have entertained the spirit of strife. In fact, and I want to tell you a recent study you know, we still have people on public assistance in this country. We call it, it it's kind of an all-inclusive word, but we call it welfare. How many of you have heard that word? Yeah. Recent study said that people on welfare in America live better than more than two-thirds of the people on planet Earth. Wave at me if you just heard what I just said. But yet, these people, this entitlement uh, people, we've developed an entitlement society and an entitlement mentality. And, and what, what happens? All you ever hear is how bad the government is. Or how bad someone treats them. 
Oh, Pastor Ron, that's not politically correct to point those things out. Well, I'm not a politically correct person. I'm here to preach what God's Word says. The first thing that we need to understand is that strife is a spirit sent from hell to destroy us. How many heard what I just said? What I just said is this, is strife is demonic. Wow. You believe in demons, Pastor Ryan? You better believe I do. In fact, I've, in my lifetime, I've came across two people that I was certain because of the inner witness of the Holy Spirit that were demonic, uh, were demon-possessed. But I also believe in, in demonic oppression. And that's, there's a lot of that uh, in our country and we don't even realize it. The works of the flesh listed in Galatians chapter 5, there's 17 of them, if you don't know. We don't have time to go there. Uh, uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. Everybody say contentions. Say it again. Jealousy, wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, and revelry. Those are the 17. Eight of them are related to strife. How many heard what I just said? In fact, strife and contention are the same thing. Strife, look at someone and say, strife is very destructive according to the Word of God. Right now today, and I want you to know this for a fact, today, strife is destroying churches faster than God can build them. Every time you turn around, you hear about another problem at another church. Or I do, anyway. I hear. You know, I, and when, you're, when you talk to other people at other churches or other ministers and stuff, you just hear these things. Everybody say, that's a sad commentary. Half of all marriages end in divorce. Mainly because of strife. I'm talking about in the church as well. How many knew that? There is no difference between the divorce rate in the world and in the church today. None. There are identical places right now. Think about this. Thousands and thousands of people are physically and mentally ill because of strife. How many seen the news yesterday about a college-educated professor in Alabama, educated at Harvard, one of the greatest uh, higher, uh, institutions of higher learning in the world, and she didn't get tenure, so she killed three of her former professors professors who were on staff with her and shot three more. She tried to kill all six of them. How many are listening to me now? It's everywhere. Many lose their job because of strife. Many sacrifice their prosperity because of strife. I know people right now that have spent thousands upon thousands of dollars in legal fees. How many are listening to me? 
And one of the main problems is strife. Jails and youth homes are full because of strife. Every prison in the state of Michigan is full. Every youth home in the state of Michigan is full. The state of Michigan is broke. How many heard what I just said? Now our governor put a good spin on it in her last state of the state address. But basically what she said is we're broke. We can't afford to house these criminals anymore. So the answer is just close the prisons and turn them loose. That means you and I are going to have to deal with them. How many are listening to me this morning? How many of you know you better be prayed up? Amen. I've been asked, Pastor Ron, how does Satan get into the life of a Christian or into a Christian church? The main way he gets into a Christian's life and into a church is through the demonic forces of strife. That is the number one way. And statistics bear me out. Every study bears me out. But again, I want to emphasize to you, strife does not have to destroy us because Jesus came to give us his peace for our protection. The peace of Christ shed abroad in our hearts is actually for our protection. God said we are supposed to hold on to his peace and hold our peace. I'm serious. Scripture says that. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let it rule in your heart. Everybody say that with me. Say, let the peace of God rule in your heart. In other words, choose peace to govern every one of your relationships. Psalms 34 verse 14 says, Seek peace and pursue it. Everybody say, Seek peace and pursue it. It actually says, I believe, Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Right. So, what's that mean, Pastor Ron? That means you're supposed to be running from strife and running toward peace. But in America, we've all got rights. Oh, I mean, you drive down the road now. I don't even know why sometimes I'm driving down the road and somebody's waving at me with their middle finger. I don't even know what I did. And of course, if you're not mature, you'll respond improperly. See, old Ron would like to tell him, next time you wave at me, you better use your whole hand. You know. But the new Ron has got to let it go. If I'm going to be in the will of God. Somebody say amen. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. How many heard me now? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Peace, the word peace in the New Testament 
actually means a state of untroubled well-being. A state of untroubled well-being. And if that doesn't describe where you're at right now, you need to ask yourself, why? Psalm 37, 37 says, Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. Right? Everybody say, the blameless man and the upright man will have peace. How do we remain blameless and upright? We conduct ourselves the way that God said we should conduct ourselves. It's as plain and simple as that. Satan is our adversary. In fact, Satan means adversary. Devil means accuser. And Abaddon, another word for the devil in the Bible, means destroyer. So that tells us all that we need to know about him. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief cometh only to steal, kill, and destroy. Somebody say, that's the word of God. But then scripture goes on to say, righteousness, peace, and joy are the inheritance of the believer. So we have an inheritance in God when we are walking according to his will. It is peace it is, and it is joy. Somebody say peace and joy. Man, that's good, isn't it? How many of you have more peace in your life than you need? Well, how many has more joy? I don't see any hands being raised. Amen? Why aren't we raising our hand? Because none of us have enough of that in our lives. Is that being truthful? Somebody say amen. When we are, allow ourselves the privilege... Notice I said something there. When we allow ourselves the privilege to bicker, to argue, to disagree, or to be angry, uh, uh, strife gains entry into our life. Are you listening to me? Many in the church today never reach their full potential and they never enjoy the abundant life that Jesus Christ came to give them due to the spirit of strife. They fail to recognize what the root of their problem is, so they go around and they repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. Are you with me today? I'm not being too loud for some of you, am I? We learned from the text that we've read when we started that when the spirit of strife gains entry, he brings along with him all other kinds of evil. That is a main point. Remember that. So once you allow strife in, that's not all you're going to deal with. You're going to deal with everything else he brings with him. And he's going to try to bring enough with him to destroy you. But I also believe that if we would keep strife out, we would keep out many of these other problems. In fact, we know for certain that rebellion and confusion go with strife according to Scripture. We know that a contentious spirit goes with strife. We know that dishonor goes with strife. Why? Because scripture says so. 
You know, let me tell you, give you something novel today. Most of you in here, our, our visitors don't know this. I, I used to be a policeman. And once in a while, a policeman is required to issue a citation. Right? I mean, that's his job, right? Wouldn't it be a novel idea the next time that uh, an officer pulled you over and issued you a citation, if you were wrong, you said thank you? Thank you for doing your job. But that's not what happens, I can tell you from experience. In fact, I've been called names that I didn't even know what they meant. And many of them by women with their children in the back seat and car seats. So what do you think those kids are going to grow up and do? Are you listening to me? Oh, that old mean cop, he's picked on me. Yeah, out of the 150,000 cars that travel the streets of Taylor every day, I picked one person out, out of every one of them, to write a citation to. Do you realize how foolish that sounds? Is everybody listening to me? That's just, a, that's just a point that needed to be made. Somebody say amen. amen. Most rebellion in our youth today is a direct result of the strife in the home between the parents. How many heard what I just said? Many children do not respect their parents because the parents themselves are out of control. Many of these children come to believe that their parents are unqualified to give them instruction because of what they see in the parents. Amen. Let me tell you this, and this is an absolute fact. A continual atmosphere of strife will create what we call a dysfunctional family. A continual atmosphere of strife will create a home without love or peace. And a continual atmosphere of strife will create a church that will limit the move of the Holy Spirit. And a continual atmosphere of strife will create a society that is out of control. Now, I'm not talking about an occasional disagreement. How many of you know you have a right to, be, to disagree? You just don't have a right to be disagreeable. That's a true statement. In fact, you're not going to agree with anybody 100% of the time. If two people agreed 100% of the time on everything, one of them wouldn't be necessary. Somebody say praise the Lord. We can have an occasional disagreement, but it's how we handle disagreements that's important. Somebody say amen. amen. Many children leave home early because of the spirit of strife. What do they do? They go out and start families of their own, not realizing that they are infected themselves. And they're just going to repeat the same mistake all over again. Are you listening to me? If we don't learn how to recognize strife and then deal with it in a scriptural manner, we are destined to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. 
Do you believe you're hearing the word of God this morning? If you do, say amen. Amen. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32 says, If you continue in God's word, it was actually Jesus. If you continue in my word, you, you will be, is it up behind me? You will be, you are my disciples indeed. Next verse. 32, do you have it? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. It kind of slipped my mind for a second. Everybody say, that's good. good. What's that mean, Pastor Ron? That means that God's truth is able to free us from every bit of this. Amen? Amen? But we must continue in that truth to live free. Amen? Amen. How many of you know that being a child of God is more than coming to church on Sunday morning? Right? Right? It's more than even coming to church on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. It's a 365 day a year process. Amen? Amen. And yes, we're going to make mistakes, but when we make mistakes, the Holy Spirit, if we belong to God and we're doing our best to follow Him and live in His will, the Holy Spirit will come and correct us. And when He comes and corrects us, then we must receive His correction and move into the will of God. That means that every one of us should be working hard to keep strife out of our life. Somebody say amen. Amen. The first thing that we must do, are you ready? Are you ready? Everybody grab a hold of your seat and hold on. I don't want anybody falling out in the floor. The first thing we must do is avoid being judgmental and critical as much as possible. It's real easy to be judgmental and critical. Especially if you've never walked in that other person's shoes. Didn't the American Indian have a saying? That they need to walk a mile in my moccasins? Amen? Amen. Oftentimes, in church, there can be disagreements. In fact, I may make a decision that befuddles some of you. But that decision was made because I have a bigger picture. How many are listening to me? How many believe that the pastor of a church has a bigger picture than people in the pew? How many of you believe the pastor of a church has a bigger picture than even other, the deacons or other staff members? So this is very, very important that you understand what I'm talking about. In fact... Strife cannot enter a home or a church except it enters through a person. The spirit of strife must have a human carrier. He can't just open the door and come in himself. How many are listening to me now? So I'll just tell you this, if you have an opinion different than mine or anyone else here at church, you should take it to the Lord first. Taking it to other people only adds fuel to the fire. Are you, ask, are you with me this, today? 
There are three main doors through which strife enters our life. The first door, are you ready? Your lips. Everybody say, my lips. The next door, your pride. Everybody say, my pride. The next door is through your debate. James chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says that our tongue can be ignited by the fire of hell itself. I've heard that done many times throughout the years. Let me tell you this, wrong words at the wrong time will start a fire every time. I've been married to Martha. This June will be 43 years. And in those 43 years, because we are two individual people, we have differences of opinion sometimes. And sometimes it can be energetically. Disgust. But I've learned something important. <laughs> I've learned to go for a drive. <laughs> Seriously speaking. And men, I know we hate to admit it, but aren't they right more than we are, you know? Oh, Lord, that, that pains us, but we have to, you know. <laughs> the more words we pour on a fire, the bigger the fire gets. Because words are fuel. Somebody say Amen. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says a soft answer turns away wrath. Correct. A soft answer turneth or turns away wrath. Does anybody need any explanation there? What that means is this. Is that when your wife has made a point you say okay honey. Especially when she's right. But what do we do? We're stubborn. We're headstrong. And what do we do? Oh, we have to have our way. I've got to make my point. Amen or oh me. That's right. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4 says, uh, A gentle tongue will be a tree of life. Whew. Everybody say, that's good. I'd rather have life. Somebody say, Amen. Our words have power. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. How many are listening to me this morning? Don't get bored yet, I'm not finished. The power of God is life and the power of Satan is death. And you choose which one you're going to cooperate with.
Proverbs chapter 12, verse 13 says, The wicked will be ensnared by the transgressions of their lips. How many heard what I just said? But the righteous will come through all their troubles. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing it, but you know what I mean. This is the word of God, and the word of God is true. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 6 actually says, A fool's lips brings contention and invites a beating. Is it, is it there? Does it say that? Now, honestly and truly, how many in here like being wrong? Everybody say, I hate being wrong. See, that's a true statement. Somebody say, Amen. In fact, most of us believe that it's our job in life to convince others that we're right. Amen? Then in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 16, it says, A fool's anger, listen to this, A fool's anger is quickly and openly known, but a prudent or wise man learns to ignore insults. What's that mean, Pastor Ryan? It means let it go. Amen? There are times to confront, but it is vital to walk in peace and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in every situation in your life. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10 says, By pride and insolence comes contention or strife. But with the well-advised comes wisdom. I'm well-advising you today. I'm giving you scripture after scripture. We've already went through dozens of them. Somebody say amen. Look at someone right now and say, Do you know who your advisor is? If you are a Christian, let me answer that question for you. Your advisor is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he is our paraclete. He's the one that walks beside us. And he's the one that will lead us into the truth of God in our lives. Somebody say amen. It is a proud heart that refuses to keep quiet for peace's sake. Strife and pride always go together. Always. Are you listening? Pride has never led anyone into victory, but it sure has led multitudes into destruction. Proverbs 16, 18 says... uh, Pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction, I believe is what it says. What's that say, Pastor Ron? Exactly what I've been saying to you for the last 30 minutes. Somebody say amen. Pride actually deceives us. It often makes us think we're right when we're wrong. How many heard what I said? You know, there's a story. We don't have time to go there. We're running out of time. But in Luke chapter 18, verses 10 through 14, we we actually had this in another message here recently. It's about uh, two people that went to the temple to pray. By the way, if you you don't believe me, the the moral of the story is, is that pride will even follow you into your prayer closet. It'll even follow you to church. Because these two men went to church to pray. 
the Pharisee and the tax collector. But let me tell you, the one that had pride in his heart, he came away the same way that he went in. But the other came away well and whole because he walked in humility before God. How many are listening to me? Read the story for yourself. Amen? Somebody say praise God. Many times because of pride, we are blind to our own shortcomings. I'm winding it up now. How many are listening to me? In fact, we, a lot of times we can't see the shortcomings in our own life while we're trying to correct other people. Are you with me? And this has been one that I've discussed with you before. Many times Christians debate one another over Scripture. And before they realize it, the spirit of strife is entered in. Why don't we learn to agree on the gospel message and let God take care of the rest? In fact, the Bible tells us to avoid that. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23 says, Avoid <laughs> foolish and ignorant dispute. <laughs> there, that's Paul. <laughs> Boy, James and Paul, they, they didn't mince words. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes because all of your arguing, all, that, all, all your arguing does is generate strife. Basically is what that passage of scripture says. I once heard Joyce Meyer say, as long as you think you know everything, you don't know anything. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that, that lady, that, that's a smart lady. You know? And, and I, I, used to say, I, I used to say this uh, on a regular basis myself. The more that I know, the more that I know that I don't know. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul said, For I am determined not to know anything except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Hallelujah. Is that what's important? Paul would rather forget all that he had ever knew or thought he knew in order to know Christ and Him crucified. In other words, his conversion experience meant more to him than everything else in the world. How many of you know Paul had to forget a lot? He was one of the most learned men on planet earth. But I submit to you today that you and I should take the same attitude. Amen? How many believe we should? What's that mean, Pastor Ron? I believe that that means that we need to nail our pride or our flesh to the cross right along with Jesus on a regular basis. I said on a regular basis. Why, Pastor Ron? Because we're going to be miserable failures if we don't. Stand to your feet this morning. You know, Paul said in another passage of Scripture that no one would reign with Christ if they haven't suffered with him first. How many knew that was in the Bible? And as much as it might pain you, as much as it might cause you to suffer, peace is, is better than being right. We will only become fellow heirs, I believe is the way it says, if we share his suffering. If we share his suffering, we will share his glory.
How many of you know that Jesus was the most humble man that ever walked on planet earth? It is God's will that we enjoy peace and understanding in our lives. But we will have to get rid of our pride first. We will have to walk in humility and submission. Because once our pride is gone, we can put on the gentle and quiet spirit that God said is befitting a Christian. Amen. Once we, once we put on that gentle and quiet spirit, then we won't think that we know everything. We won't second guess everyone else. How many are listening to me today? This is true in every area of our life. How many of you still work a job? Can I see your hand? You got a boss, right? Sometimes your boss may tell you to do something and you might not like it. Come on. How many of you know he's probably operating with more knowledge than you are? Oh, don't say it, Pastor Ron. I know more than that idiot. Maybe you just think you do. Bow your heads. Father, I've delivered the message today that you've given me to deliver. Once again, Lord, I am grateful because I've sensed your presence here while this message was being delivered. I'm grateful that those who were here were here to hear. And now, Lord, my prayer for them is that they would not only be a hearer of the word, but a doer as well. That is my sincere prayer for every person under the sound of my voice this morning. With heads bowed and no one looking around before we dismiss, we do this every week. Oh, Pastor Ron, you know us. I don't know what's in your heart. Only God knows that. But if someone is here today and you've never surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ and made him Savior and Lord of your life, if you've never prayed publicly and made a public profession of your faith, in other words, if you've never been saved or born again, then I offer you the opportunity this morning to come forward and to pray a prayer of confession and repentance with me before I dismiss. Is there anyone here today that would like to pray with me before you leave? How many Christians in here this morning will admit that this message hit home. Amen. Pray this prayer with me, would you? Say, Heavenly Father, I've heard the word. I receive it with gladness. And I'm asking for your help right now to put this into effect in my life I want peace, I want joy, and I want your love in my home, in my life, in my church. And so therefore, Lord, I submit myself first. And I'm asking that any strife that I have entertained be forgiven. And that I will, with your help, walk in obedience to you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Now give him praise, people. God is good. All the time. Amen. Bow your head for the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. And may he give you that peace that passes mortal understanding.
And may he fill your life with that unspeakable joy that is full of glory. I bless you now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You are dismissed.